All right, everybody, how's it going? Welcome to QA number 151. Now, I know this is a Wednesday and this is a bonus one, but we're still going to count it as an episode. It'll make it easier for it as a podcast uh, for me because uh, the podcasts are normally named in the numbers. Uh, those of you guys that are new are watching this for the first time. It's a couple of easy things to remember. Uh, at the end of this show, I will index every question and everything we talk about so you guys can see that uh, and get uh, go right to the information if that's all you're curious about. Also, if you're uh, watching live and you want to ask a question, you start with the question mark first. That lets me know you're talking to me. And lastly, if you want to watch this or stream this as a podcast or download it, you can go on iTunes and stream it as a podcast. Um, you know, people watch it as a, as a live show and as a podcast so each week you have a choice so there you go let's get into some stuff let's talk about some stuff i want to talk about guitars i'm really 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 want to talk about anything guitar right now uh i've been working like a uh a uh i've been working a lot and um and uh so i'm sure a lot of you are everybody's broken down into two sections right now either working more than they were before or uh being stuck and quarantined out uh, or both you know what i mean so uh my point is let's uh, let's get our heads into some some fun gear and guitar talk um couple things i just want to make sure everybody hears me okay sees me okay and i think so i don't see anything on my end as as a uh issues on my side so let's go to it as you guys know when i uh when i start the show i always look for some of the first questions and one of the first questions i saw was from frank rizzo who said phil is it true that the ibanez az prestige line are having tuning issues thank you i have not heard anything about that i can tell you that i own uh i i have three ibanez az guitars there's one behind me right now that's the az premium that's the main indonesia that one was sent to me by ibanez uh i requested i asked them if they would be interested in me doing a comparison of the prestige versus the premium and uh, they were nice enough and kind enough to send one out and uh, i have two prestiges that i both purchased i brought those uh both those guitars so uh what i can tell you is is that uh neither one of my prestiges have tuning issues but more importantly and this is where it's a little tricky one of my prestiges, uh, which is the one that's the sunburst with the white pickups, that one I gigged, I literally gigged it at a couple different shows in Europe, dragged it through the airlines across literally Europe to U.S. Uh, I took it to San Diego uh, in the in my truck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and uh, no, no exaggeration, I never tuned it once. It was always in tune. I'd never seen anything like that. Now, of course, the keys could have got bumped at any time, but in my case, they didn't. Um, so that guitar, now the reason why I say that's a little different is because that guitar is actually more expensive than normal prestige. I think the normal prestige is already $2,000 and that one was like $2,800. I remember, I remember because I didn't know it was more expensive than the others. Uh, and so when I purchased it, I was a little uh, shell-shocked because it was a little bit more than what I thought it was going to be. Um, and I got a deal on it, but still with the deal, it still was quite a bit of money. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, I uh, really like it. So I have no issues. I But I, I will say, and I've so, tell, told my friends this personally, I don't know why. I can't tell you exactly, exactly the, you know, I wish I could pinpoint it down to one answer, but I can give you a general idea. I prefer my premium, the one behind me. That's the one I play. The one behind me is the one I play. The other two actually in cases right now. That's why I can't even show you them. I put them in cases. I stopped playing them. I literally play the premium. I'm, I'm in love with the premium. I think it sounds better. I think it plays a little better. Um, there's just something about it I like. Uh, I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? It's just the luck of the draw guitars. If I could only keep one of the three, um, I would definitely be the premium. In fact, here was the, the biggest issue is because I played the Rockin' 1000 event, you know, in Germany where we played in front of 26,000 people and 1,000 musicians. I played my prestige Ibanez. And um, because of that, I don't want to sell that one. It, it means something to me. It was kind of a remembrance of an experience and a kind of thing. But realistically, if I had bought them both and, um, you know, and had no attachment to either one, I would pick the premium and keep that one and sell off the, the prestige. So uh, if that helps in any way. But uh, yeah, I haven't heard anything. If they are tuning issues, it would definitely probably be setup issues, nut issues. Um, they could have defective tuning keys. But here's my guess. The tuning keys on those are very strange. They're not your typical locking style keys, the ones that are most musicians are familiar with. So you could have issues with musicians not knowing how to use them. And that could be out there for sure. I find that to be real 
a big deal. A lot of times there, there, people say that there's tuning issues. User error is a lot of times the driver of a lot of things, as you can imagine. Um, what else do we got going on? Anyone else got any cool questions? Let's see. I know, I, I like I said, I'm skimming the very first part of the questions um, because um, Greg P uh, Peterson says, Phil, why don't you do these more often, like three times a week at different times? That's a really good suggestion. The main reason is because is my schedule is fluid. I don't have a typical uh, uh, nine to five schedule Monday through Friday. I could work... Uh, easily, you know, from from seven in the morning till nine, ten o'clock at night one day. And, uh, you know, I look up and sometimes it happens all the time. I look up at the clock and I'm like, wow, I got to go to bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and some days I, I don't have anything to do. It, it just happens. So um, it depends on how many repairs I'm doing that week, what you, you content I'm doing, uh, you know, what companies I'm, I'm working with at that time for, you know, uh, so I have because I, I have multiple jobs, revenue streams. We've talked about this before. You know, obviously, YouTube is only a percentage of my income and uh, these live shows and stuff, you know, it's just have it would actually be better for me I actually I think about that sometimes I think about the fact that it might actually be better for me to do more of them live shows and just make them sporadic whenever I could on the week but um, what I will tell you is one of the th reasons I do it at the three o'clock uh, Friday time my time three o'clock my time and do it Friday is because I it locks me down to do it because sometimes I could go you know I could go weeks probably and never go live and not you know if if I didn't feel like I, you know, had that time slot, I have to do it. I told myself I'd do it. So, but I would love to do more. I like doing this. It's fun. Um, let's see. Uh, next question is, hold on a second. JD says, hey, Phil, could you please give me details on how to sell a guitar in reverb? I've never uh, sold one on there before. I would definitely download the app. Uh, there's a reverb app for your phone. That's going to be the fastest, easiest way. Set up the account, do it with the app, take pictures with your uh, phone, uh, put it on the uh, app. The thing I would suggest to you is be very detailed in the description because, you know, the more details, the better. Um, and also, uh, you know, be fair in your assessments to yourself and to the buyer. You know what I mean? Um, I like to go if it's a fair I'll, or if it's good, I'll put fair. If it's great, I put good. I kind of, you know, kind of I try to um, even though sometimes it can hurt you financially a little bit to do that. I, I try to have most give the most realistic, uh, you know, you know, kind of expectation to the buyer uh, when I'm selling on reverb because of the fact that, you know, you don't want anything to come back. You know, like, you know, you're not a business. So obviously you don't want to deal with returns and stuff. You don't have to. But it's a pretty straightforward process. But I would start by downloading the Reverb app. It's a pretty pretty easy way to do it. Um, the other thing I want to do, I have a couple announcements. Usually I have my sheet and stuff, but I don't have it with me today. So let me go to this uh, screen and uh, share with you. Um, as you guys know, I did a video, uh, and I told you guys last podcast on Friday, about the Music Nomad video. Today, uh, American Musical Supply and Music Nomad picked the winner. And if he's watching, it's Alan Saxon so uh, from South Carolina. Alan, you are the winner. Um, I don't know if they've reached out to you or not. I, at the time they sent me the message that that was the winner, they said that they hadn't reached out to you. But Alan, if you're watching this, Alan Saxon, you just won all those Music Nomad tools and supplies. I want to thank uh, American Musical Supply and... Music Nomad for doing that. That was a cool thing to do to say, hey, you know, why don't we do a video where you check out the tools and stuff and we'll do a giveaway. Um, and thank you guys, everyone who participated in that. Uh, it supports my channel because obviously the views, but also, you know what I mean? It's it's the interaction. You know, companies basically are willing to give you some free stuff and send some stuff where we can do some content. I, I Hopefully that's a win-win. And uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of the Music Nomad stuff. That's why when they asked me, I was like, no problem. Plus, that actually worked out the best. Very, very few times does it work out so perfectly, so symbiotically, when a company goes, hey, would you like to check out some product? And literally, it's the things you guys have been asking about over and over again. So it's like, uh, yes, actually, yes. That's what they're looking for, um, is that product. And I, like I said, I, I was really, truly impressed with the product. So very cool stuff. For sure. In fact, I'm still using it. Have you noticed on all the videos since, I've been using mostly their stuff uh, for a few things because I really like it. I like their stuff. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, next one was from Orange Car Bad says, for Skid Row, the, he means the band, uh, would... I, oh, no, he's 
saying something about Dimebreaker. So somebody asked a question about Skid Row. Let's go back. Because I saw a question. So somebody's giving an answer. Maybe I'll look at the answer too. Maybe I'll cheat. Uh, and Andre says, Andre says, Phil, what is the best humbucker pickup in your opinion to replicate that sweet 80s kind of sound like Skid Row? Thanks. Um, let's see. So this is my guess. Uh, and I didn't look at the other answer. So we'll see how close we get on the answer. Um, I would say go with a higher output pickup. Uh, that would be my guess. Um, the main reason is, is cause when I think of the 80s stuff and Skid Row is kind of late eighties, early nineties, when I think of the 80s sound, you're definitely thinking hotter pickups. That was definitely the time of the hot pickups. So what I mean by that is, you know, 70s, 60s, you're going to think vintage pickups. Now you're definitely back into vintage pickups. Um, I could actually probably illustrate it. I don't know if I can, maybe I can, maybe fun. Maybe it's something you guys are interested in. Um, let me, I have a little console here. Um, all right. I have a guitar because obviously when I'm before I'm doing this stuff, I'm playing. I don't feel doesn't feel nice to not show you guys the guitar. Of course, now my mic's in the way. All right. This is going to be interesting. Uh, OK, so what I have in here is this is a Pete Thorne uh, Thornbucker in this uh, guitar. I'm running through my supersonic uh, uh, 22 and uh, running delay. I'm running a DD3 boss delay in the effects loop. And uh, this could illustrate what I'm talking about, hopefully. Um, let me go ahead, and I'm going to play for you real quick the, the uh, Pete Thorn Thorn Thornbucker. I'll play something Skid Rowish, you know, so we don't get a copyright strike. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll hear what a lower output pickup does uh, to the amp, because I don't use a lot of drive on my amp, not a whole lot of distortion. Let's go ahead and turn this on. So as you can see, you're not getting a lot of harmonic tones and you're definitely not pushing the amp. So what I'll do is I have the ability now to, I don't want to do an 81 EMG. Let's do ah something here, something a little, little special. This is a higher output pickup for sure. So let's do that same kind of playing with that. All right, so maybe that illustrates it, uh, how much different you can push an amp, especially since, like I said, I'm running mid-gain. I mean, it's distorted for sure, but it's not like heavy saturation. And just for a reference, let me do this. Let me show you that neck pickup. Watch how much it drops off. Okay, so that uh, would be my guess is to get the sound. Let me put this back. Uh, the things I got to do. All right, adjusting here. Hopefully everything went back to normal. <laughs> Messing with a bunch of buttons over here. Um, so uh, to answer your question, I would say uh, uh, definitely I, I would go with a super distortion. Now, again, so, you know, Dave the Snake Sambu and those guys, they could end up be using something totally different from what I'm saying. Uh, I don't know what they use, but I would I would guess I would definitely try a, uh, a, a DiMaggio Super Distortion. Um, a uh, uh, I wouldn't go crazy like X2N or Invader, nothing like that from Seymour Duncan or DiMaggio where the too high output, but I would go definitely not vintage. So I think if you went to, whether you went to DiMaggio or Seymour Duncan or, uh, you know, uh, uh, bare knuckles, I would go to their medium to higher output pickup types uh, for the bridge and you definitely get to push that amp because it's not just about how much gain you run on the amp. The amp's really going to be the decider in this, but uh, you can, um, you could definitely get the, you could see how I pulled harmonic texture out of the, out of the guitar. Uh, definitely 
big difference between those two pickups. And I love the Pete Thorne Thornbucker. Obviously, it's a great sounding pickup, but it makes the notes round, which is great when you're playing those just those notes. And, and you know, Pete's obviously got a very melodic style, uh, and you hear the notes really round. But when you hear the higher output pickups, you definitely get those sharp pentatonic or not pentatonic sharp pitch harmonics. So I would go hotter pickup. That would be my guess. That would be my suggestion. Okay. Uh, let's see. So I'm missing some comments because I was uh, doing my thing. <laughs> Scott says, please bring that awesome Ibanez YYM10 back out. I should. I actually, uh, so you know, it was supposed to go back. It had to go back. But Ibanez is currently closed right now uh, for the marketing side. Just the marketing side. You know, obviously there's they're at home being safe right now. So they asked me if I would please hold on to it for a week or two. And I was like, oh, I don't think I can. Okay, you twisted my arm. I'll keep the guitar for an extra two weeks. So, yeah, so I, I do have it. I should get it out uh, right now. But I'm actually working on the next content. Uh, and, uh, and I'm actually trying to spend some time with it because it's, you know, in the other room so I can play it for personal time too. Because it's one of the benefits of the gig. These guitars get sent to you. Sometimes you get to keep them. Sometimes they got to go back. But um, when they go back, uh, you know, you get to play them in the meantime, at least. <laughs> so there you go. Um, um, let's see. And so, you know, uh, uh, Ibanez was very nice to me. They, uh, they said they would like to send me one uh, when they have them in stock. But the one I have, it has to go back. They need it, you know, right now for marketing and other things. Obviously, that's what the point of sending it out to me was so they can get some marketing. I, I asked them if I could do the video and they were nice enough to send it out to me. Uh, that's why if you noticed, they're not out yet. That was one that was, uh, it's probably the one I was at the NAMM show. And yes, I did wipe it down before I started playing it. Absolutely. Um, put it in a bathtub of bleach. I hope that didn't change the color. <laughs> I'm laughing because right now somebody at Ivan is maybe watching this video going, what? <laughs> I can't send it back. It's mine now. I put it in bleach. Just kidding. I did not put it in bleach. All right. Uh, okay. That made me laugh. Um, okay. Uh <laughs> let's let's go back. Okay, so I I have uh, I know I have some super chats. I'm pinning them right now, guys. Don't worry, they're not going anywhere. Um, uh, oh, uh, somebody says I'm not full screen right now. Yeah, what's that here? See, thank you for saying that. Is that I fixed it. Thanks. That's weird. Weird why it didn't put me in full screen like that. But now I'm in full screen. So soon. You'll see me in full screen. You guys are on the slightly delay. All right. Um, uh, let me go. Let me go because, like I said, I was when I was playing, it got a little carried away with the comments. Look at that full screen me. I'm I'm in a delay too when I watch myself. Um, <laughs> Mr. Tudor 7 says Phil McKnight is one of the coolest dudes on YouTube. Uh, I just had to read that because it was just nice of you to say, man. That was cool. Thanks. So maybe that's one of those things like my kids will be like, hey, I was the coolest guy. I was voted by Mr. Tudor, the coolest guy on YouTube, kids. Pay attention. Dad's cool. They, uh, I, won't, it won't fly. <laughs> uh, somebody asked me what the guitar was that I was just using. Uh, it's my Somnium guitar. This is the guitar. I have a video. I'll put a link. This is the guitar where I can change out uh, active and passive and single coil pickups and electronics and do all kinds of weird stuff. And something really cool. I'm sure some of you guys noticed there was no pickup video yesterday. That's because, uh, there was some issues with stuff being delivered. Nothing, not Somnium. I bought parts to do a certain type of video. I have a video, uh, that is ready to go and, uh, I'll release that video tomorrow, but I'm hoping I actually won't. I'm hoping I'll actually put out the video I intended to put out first. I think it'll be a better video to be out first. So either way, tomorrow, Thursday, there is a pickup video coming out and hopefully it's the one I want. As long as something shows up today, I'll be able to finish it up, knock it out and get it out to you by tomorrow. If not, uh, the backup pickup video is ready, which is a good, very good video as well. I'm sure you guys will enjoy it, but it's really important that I get this next pickup video out. Uh, to you guys as soon as possible because it's going to illustrate some cool stuff from going forward. So there you go. All right, let's go do, let's grab some of these super chat questions real quick since I got them all pinned up and you guys were kind enough to do those. Uh, Carlos Fernandez Mart, 
sorry, Carlos Fernandez Martin says, Hey, Phil, I'm thinking about getting a Schecter SLS Elite C1, the one with the Sustaniac and the Floyd Rose. And I wanted to know, what do you think about it? Are they any good? I'm a big fan of, well, two rules. One, I'm a big fan of Schecter guitars, always. I, I highly suggest Schecter guitars. I like them for the quality. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, I don't know why I don't have one in the collection right now. It's because I can tell you right now, I had this white one, uh, the Hellraiser with EMGs. I bought it. I loved it. My buddy Thor saw it and said, hey, man, I've been wanting one too. If you ever go to sell it, let me know. And I'm like, well, I'm probably not going to use it because, you know, I, you know. So I sold it to him for what I paid. I got a really smoking deal on it. And then I, I thought like the guitar gods graced me with this. I found another Hellraiser in purple, just like it for less money than I paid for that. And I go, okay, that's cool. But for some reason that just didn't jive with me. It was a great playing guitar. It was even lighter than the white one. It just, I don't know. It just didn't do the mojo for me. So I've been really, really looking for another Schecter. I, I hope to find one. So like you, I'm in the market for one. The SLS Elite C1 is great. I love the Sustainiac. I really want one in one of my guitars and Schecter might be a great way to get one of those in my collection too. Uh, I probably wouldn't go with the Floyd Rose for me because I'm just, I got a bunch of Floyd Rose guitars and I'm, you know, I'm fine with them. <laughs> uh, Floyd Rose guitars, I like them. I do because I have a bunch, but I'm not looking for more most time. But the rule on the channel is if you ask us if you ask us if you should get a guitar, the answer is yes. And so, yes, you should get that. I would definitely recommend that one. And the Sustainiac is cool. It is definitely a cool thing for sure. Uh, David Hunter says, best way to price a used custom guitar for sale. So that is tough because you're saying the word custom guitar, meaning it's something going to be different. Uh, you have to understand the best thing to do, if you have a guitar that is custom or unique, the best way to price it is price it for what you really want to get for it, what you feel it's valued at. So the question is not what you should price it for, is what you should be ready for. It takes a while to sell. Don't get nervous. Nervous, that's how come, if you're buying, that's how you score some of those cool, weird guitars dirt cheap. You know, everybody's like, oh, I got a blah, blah, blah guitar for nothing. And the reason is, is because, let me tell you, if, you, if you're putting out a Schecter or a PRS or a Gibson or a Fender or an Ibanez or a Dean or something that people are looking for, a guitar that's being searched on Reverb and eBay, and people are looking for those brands and those guitars, you, you could relatively sell your guitar at a moderately good pace, a good, uh, you know, a realistic amount of time. But if you have a guitar that's odd, you understand that no one, they got to, somebody's got to happen by it or somebody's got to specifically looking for it. Either way, be prepared to sit on it for a while. So what I would say is hold firm, but wait. And uh, and uh, and then wait for the offers and uh, be realistic. The first couple of offers are not going to be good. So that's my suggestion. So And if you have to sell it, well, then you have to take the bath. I'm sorry, buddy. So the other thing you can do too is also be aware that if it's a if it's a unique custom guitar, if you built it, that's one thing. But if it's a unique custom builder, uh, builder that something's different out there, the other thing you can do is go to look for forums and places, Facebook groups, all kinds of places where people may appreciate that smaller brand or the small builder or that type of custom guitar and try to go right to those guys because they have a they will know what the value is. They'll know, hey, uh, you know what it is. But you understand when you say custom, I mean, there's a reason why custom everything takes a hit. It doesn't even have to be guitars. Custom clothes, everything custom is takes a hit. Um, Steve Miller did a super chat for no reason. Thank you, Steve, for supporting the channel. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, Tillin Mars says, roasted maple necks, gimmick or amazing? Ah, that's a good question. Let's go to the next part. Uh, they are getting very hyped on the internet, and I want to hear your opinion. Stay healthy. I will definitely stay healthy. Thank you, sir. Uh, gimmick or amazing? Um, both. Absolutely both. Here's why. And that's not a cop-out, because i got to tell you why. Uh, because I think they're amazing. I like them. They are totally a gimmick. <laughs> Um, here's why as I take my water for the dramatic pause. No, um, um, no, you know what it is? Um, you know, as you guys know, uh, in fact, um, scar my guitar, Sean at scar my guitar, he was sending me a message once and we were chatting about some kind of something we were doing. And he was saying, I know you like roasted maple necks. And then the Kiesel guys were talking about roasted maple necks and I do like them, but everybody, I think got a weird, uh, like he must really love them because if you notice for a while, I was getting tons of them on the channel, either sent to me by companies or, and, or I was buying them. And the reason is, is cause like you, I was curious, is this real? Is this a real thing? And here's why I say they're amazing and hyped. They're amazing because I learned something about myself, uh, with them, which is, I don't, I, I can't help, uh, being a, a normal person where 
it doesn't matter what I know in my head, emotions take over sometimes. So what I mean by that is um, visually, I like the way rosewood uh, neck looks to me. I like the way a darker fretboard looks. I like darker fretboards. I don't know what it is. If you look behind me, look, they're all dark fretboards. But here's the important part of this. If you look behind me, you have, you know, you have a rosewood fretboard here on this PRS. Then you have the Kiesel, which is a maple fretboard, but it's roasted. You have the AZ, which is also roasted maple. You have the Lindsay Hale, which is visiting for Friday, our Sunday's video, which is the that video. That has ebony. And then, of course, the uh, Halo custom guitar has ebony, because I like the darker uh, fretboards. So what's interesting about this like darker fretboards and what i've learned is on the roasted maple fretboards i just like the way they look because they look more like what i like do i think they're better no do i think roasted necks are better no in fact i've kind of learned something i've learned that if they lightly roast the neck i think you get a cool caramelized color so it's aesthetics right it's like staining something um but it's a cool effect i like the way it looks if you don't that's you but me i like it but i've also noticed if they roast them too much they actually have trouble having the tone gets weird it gets too bright or something happens i don't know there's a change to it probably because the front, uh, the neck becomes so dense uh and and it makes sense because essentially what they're doing is uh they're carbonizing the fretboard and i've told you guys this before i've owned many carbonized uh our carbon carbonized fiber necks on instruments basses and, gu and guitars and over time as much as i love what they do which is have you know, they're straight, they have great action, they play amazing. I've never really liked the way they sound. And I find that when they roast the necks too hard, they sound or kind of feel and have that same vibe about them. And uh, so to answer your question, I like rosewood neck, or uh, sorry, roasted necks. I think they're amazing, but I definitely think there's a lot of hype to it, especially when the cost factor of it, uh, I'm not saying it doesn't have cost, it does, but I mean, some companies are really putting it, you know, sticking it to you on the cost um, because it is a fad right now. And that's just the truth of it. Um, and I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but the truth is when everything's in fad, of course, if you're a seller and something is selling well, you're going to, you know, you're going to put the price on it. So, so that's my answer. I like them. They're, I like them personally. I think they're amazing, but I don't think it's anything we need, but cool. I definitely think though, I've said this before. I definitely think I hope to keep seeing them on cheaper guitars because I think it's a really good idea for cheaper guitars uh, because roasting the, the maple uh, helps with the fret sprouts and a lot of things that happens with the drying process that doesn't get to take place with a lot of the inexpensive guitars. Let me go back. I know I got more super chats, but let me go back over to the non-super chats um, and uh, get some of these uh, questions and comments and stuff that are coming up over here. Uh Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ah, the 11. The 11 says, uh, less fret sprout from a roasted maple neck. Uh, yes, uh, mostly. Now, here's the anomaly on this. Uh, I, I have... Uh, I've gotten two of the roasted maple neck Charvels now. Uh, I'm about to do a shootout video with the uh, uh, maple... Uh, sorry, the roasted... The, the, DK24 roasted maple Charvel that I bought and the uh, Ibanez. And I don't know what it is. Both the Charvels I got, one took forever to do it, the green one, but then it uh, the black one that I got did it right away. They both had uh, fret sprout. So it's weird that, and I've said this before, I picked up one at a guitar center and it had bad fret sprout. And I've had people email me and tell me that their Charvel DK24s had bad fret sprout. So that was interesting, but seems really isolated more to them. The Harley Bitten uh, roasted fretboard I had did not have fret sprout. Um, none of the other roasted maple necks that I've got or fretboards I've got uh, had any fret sprout issues. So um, overall, I think it cures the majority of it. The only anomalies for me so far personally have been the Charvels, but you know, I'm curious to see what you guys have experienced out there as well. Um, all right. Uh, Okay, let's go ahead. Hold on, some jumping around. Have any uh, settings, etc., when winding single coil humbuckers uh, that you can share via your friend, of course. Um, well, what I can tell you is the pickups I just played uh, for you just now was the uh, Pete Thorne. Uh, was the first one. The second one, my friend made. <laughs> and that's how I knew it was wound hotter because uh, it was wound hot. Um, 
Do I have any, so the question is, do I know if I have any pickups winding? Do you have any settings? Settings? No, because it depends on what you're trying to wind for, right? Um, because obviously, you know, if you're winding something with 5,000 winds, you're going to be different. You know, you pick your winds. It depends if you're using 42 gauge or 43 gauge wire, what you're up to, what kind of magnets you're using. So it's really, it's really, I don't have a suggestion because believe it or not, um, winding the pickups for me has been more of a um, recreating things. I just keep recreating things. Um, I've been copying stuff for a while, just recreating a pickup, recreating a pickup, recreating a pickup uh, to see, to see what, where the formula is. Um, not to demystify anything. I don't think pickups are a mystery. I don't think they're that mysterious. Um, uh, you know what I mean? I just think it's... Um, the marketing in pickups gets really confusing. You know, sometimes companies really aren't as a whole, don't talk in a lot of honest language when it comes to pickups because the majority of guitar players wouldn't understand it anyways. So it's, um, uh, uh, so you get the idea that, that that's, so I don't have a really good suggestion, but maybe that's something I can do a suggestion for. I just haven't thought about anything like that. So, um, I can tell you that I prefer, uh, right now I'm in Alnico 2 Love, uh, Alnico 2 Love. I like those, uh, pickups or magnets right now. I don't know what it is. I'm in that mood. Uh, Steve Hunter says, YouTube reduced bandwidth. Your video feed is smaller. Yeah, I know we fixed it, but thank you, uh, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I heard that they are trying to reduce bandwidth. That's another thing I'm worried about too. That's why I thought, another reason I thought it'd be a good idea to do a Wednesday because, uh, you know, as everybody's at home around me, I'm waiting for the cable companies to, you know, have issues with uh, bandwidth and stuff. So doing live shows might be a problem. Um, um, Steve Miller says he bought a guitar from a famous player. It has terribly worn frets. Do you refret it? Well, I mean, if you want to play it and it's got worn out frets, you got to refret it. If the issue is that somehow, you know, is it going to diminish the value? Of course, refrettings always diminish some value. If it's uh, if it's valuable because a famous place, person played it, um, you know, you have to decide. Really what it comes down to is right now you have to decide if it's a player or if it's a keepsake type thing, right? So are you going to play it or are you going to, you know, you know, kind of keep it, you know, in, in good condition so you can resell it? That's what it comes down to is a resale proposition. So if you're not going to resell it, because I've had this question before where they'll say, well, you know, if you do that, you're going to devalue it. And they go, I would never sell it. And I go, as soon as somebody says, I'm never going to sell it, well, then do whatever you want to it because you're never going to sell it. So if you're not worried about resale value or some kind of, somehow, um, because I'll be honest, if you, if let's, I'm, you said famous, so let's just throw somebody out there. I won't even pluck somebody uh, super famous. Let's say George Lynch. Let's say I had a guitar from George Lynch because he's pretty famous. Um, and uh, it had worn frets. Uh, obviously I would imagine if I went to resell it, somebody would prefer it to have the frets that he played, uh, the guitar with. Um, so that would have some value hit in my, in my guesstimation. But if I was going to play the guitar, it wouldn't matter. I would just do whatever I want. So, um, Max shade seven says, Hey, Phil, can you recommend a mini distortion pedal, a mini distortion pedal, man, (laughs) sometimes these questions are like, you guys hit me in the weirdest way. That sounds like such an easy question, but it's not because I virtually almost have no mini pedals. Um, I have a mini tube screamer that I'm using. The the Ivan is one. So I recommend that. It's on my board right now. And uh, I really like it. Um, and I, I, I literally am looking. I have no mini distortion pedals at all. Not a single one. So I couldn't uh, uh, tell you one other than just the ones I've seen. Like I could suggest the new MXR Mini Timmy or the Mini this or the Mini that. But I mean, literally, I don't have any. So it's hard for me to recommend something I don't really physically have or use. And I'm trying to see if there's one I like and there's a mini version of it. And there's not. Um, So I'm not sure what the mini part is. Although, because I don't use enough pedals to worry about mini pedals. So Max Shade, uh, hopefully somebody's got some great suggestions out there. Um, I, like I said, I'm thinking about my, like I'm looking at my five or six favorite pedals and all of them are on the larger side. So, hmm, tough. It's a tough thing. Patrick says, on Nashville Tilly, possible to get a five-way Stratty sound plus a normal middle position Gretchy sound 
of the neck and bridge with a push pull or otherwise? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. You can use, uh, if you have a Nashville Tele uh, guitar, which of course will have three pickups, you'll have your Tele um, pickup in the bridge, Tele neck pickup, and then a Strat single coil in the middle. Um, so can you get the five-way Stratty sounds? Absolutely, because you, I'm, I'm not, I, it's been a while since I've played a Nashville Tele or anybody who's recreated them. And most of the ones I've played are because because guys, you know, recreated them. They buy the pick guard. They 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 put the single coil in there. Um, but uh, I would su- highly suggest for the uh, the um, Nashville Telly, if you want the cool sounds, uh, get one of these cool six-way switches. Uh, so the six-way switch is uh, available. You could probably I don't I don't know where to get them other than Stumac. So I mean, obviously I like Stumac, so I'm suggesting Stumac. But if you find it somewhere else, I understand. If your preference, it's not a Stumac only product, but I do see them for sale on Stumac. So uh, is where I saw them because I did an order with Stumac yesterday. I bought a bunch of stuff and I saw the switch and I was like, oh, they sell it. Uh, so it's this is a three-way switch, um, but it has a up-down position, and so you can get six positions. So on this switch, if I installed the three single coils. Um, do I have a three single coil here in the room? I don't. So what would happen is uh, down would be your bridge position, up would be bridge and middle, uh, then in the middle position you'd be the middle pickup on the guitar, and then then forward would be your neck. Then if you go up, you would be neck and middle, and if you go to the middle and you go, you're in your up position, you'd be the two outer pickups. So that's your six positions there. So you would get all your stratty type positions plus your cool telly positions. Um, and then for the uh, Gretschy sound of neck and bridge, that would solve that as well. So you don't have to get a push-pull. You can just get one of these cool blade switches and do that. But you could get a push-pull and activate that same kind of system. There's a ton of ways to wire that up. So it's obviously easy that way. I like this new switch. I think it's really cool. But again, there's a ton of ways to get that extra position by using a push-pull or, uh, or a mini switch. So there you go. And I'll put a link when I index this to the to the place to get the uh, the six way switch. Uh, let's see, what are we doing? Where are we at? We're good on time. We're doing good. There's 560. That's a lot of people. I didn't think there'd be this many in the middle of the day. So, well, then again, in your Europe, it's the end of the day. Um, ah, Nuno's new Telecaster, the uh, the Nelly has a six way switch. I well, once you try one. It just it's freaking cool. Um, the only downfall of it is is you do get you there's only here's the only thing you have to get oh I bumped my mic. The only thing you have to get used to is that when you move it back and forth, you don't want to click it up. You know what I mean? And I've noticed sometimes when I put put I'll push it forward but click it up on the on accident. So you can't be like if you want to just throw your switch real fast, you you can't do that anymore. You gotta kinda be more methodical and, and when you do the switch, you know, don't be don't be so heavy-handed um that's the only downfall because it's really sensitive switch and not sensitive like if you bump it but i mean you don't have to put a lot of force behind it so so but definitely check that switch out it's very cool but like i said you can add a uh, push pull or a a mini switch to do the same thing uh hero i'm gonna say hero with two r's hero glop says phil mcknight do you own more clean amps or dirty amps? That's a good question. I'm looking at them right now in front of me, so let me count them uh, out loud. My Princeton would be a clean amp. That's one. My Deluxe Reverb is a clean amp. That's two. My uh, Mojo Tone Kit Build and my uh, is, is clean. That's three. Um, my That's tough. My Custom 50 PRS amp, I use it for the clean. It does have a dirty channel. I'm going to say it's on the clean thing because it's both, but it's used and it's predominantly known for being clean amps. That's four clean amps. And uh, what else? Because uh, I've really pared down my amps a lot. Um, so there's four clean amps. Oh, my uh, uh, Vibralux, that's five clean amps. So mostly Fender amps. And I have a Basement 59, that's six clean amps. <laughs> okay, let's look at the dirty amps. I have the Dirty Shirley, that's a dirty amp. I have my um, uh, my JJ Junior. That's in the other room. I have an Archon. That's three. The Mesa Boogie Mark V and the Hughes and Kittner uh, tube amp. That's uh, was I six? And then the Superson. Oh, it's tied. There, I have almost like the same amount each one. I mean, if it's variable, so uh, yeah, so about the same. 
Um, but to be fair, to be very fair, a few of those amps, I wouldn't say half, but a few of those amps only exist because of YouTube. In other words, if I didn't have this YouTube channel, I told you guys, there's some, certain gear I would just let go. Um, I, I, it just, you need it. You know what I mean? Cause you never know what kind of video you're going to do next. And, um, cause I know what three or four amps I just use all the time, all the time. I'm on them all the time. It's my Princeton reverb, my uh, supersonic 22. Again, I use that amp for a ton of reasons. I use it mostly for re reverb videos or when I go and jam with friends cause it has a good dirty and a decent clean and everything works great. Um, but so that would probably stay if I didn't do YouTube. Princeton would stay if I didn't do YouTube. Deluxe reverb would stay if I didn't do YouTube. Um, and the uh, both Friedman amps and the Hughes and Kittner. Everything else, I, I don't know. Maybe I'd get rid of. I don't know. It's tough. So, um, but I can tell you, uh, I yeah, I don't know. I really care if amps have reverb. <laughs> I seem to be more focused with amps with reverb than anything else. So, oh, uh, uh. Uh, BDP uh, said the uh, Sir Riot clone is a, is now yeah as a mini and that you know what and that's a great I would highly recommend that because I had the Sir Riot pedal it was a fantastic pedal um, in fact uh, when I did a thinning a year ago of pedals that was one of the pedals I let go but it was a great pedal I just let it go because you know I, between the Andy Timmons pedal and the BEOD and the uh, um, uh, the Dracaris by Wampler. You know, I mean, I had so many of those type of pedals. I was like, okay, thin some down. But uh, it was one of my favorites for sure. In fact, um, in fact, I was probably going to get rid of it over or keep it over a couple other pedals. But again, there was some um, emotional attachment to certain pedals. Um, uh, Adam said, wow, you get rid of the Archon? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. I really like it. But, I mean, we're talking about stuff I use. I, I really... I really, um, I really, you know, I said you become a creature habit. I really, uh, really go back to two or three amps, like I said, and it's really the Princeton. <laughs> the Princeton gets all the time. And now the Dirty Shirley. Between those two, it's just nothing's getting played anymore. And it's been that way for a long time. Um, uh, yeah. And I, ha I have to say this I really like my Archon, I really do. But I think I really like my JJ Jr. more. So, you know, just so you know, I think I do. It's tough. It's a tough thing. I haven't done a shootout. I don't know. Um, but the good thing about the Archon, though, as you guys know, when I did that video, I got it for like 700 bucks used. Um, and, of course, you know, if you saw the video, the guy, you know, botched up the shipping and got damaged, but I fixed it. But for that price, it's definitely worth keeping because I think used, they're about 1000 bucks now. So it's it's still a good value to have. You know what I mean? It's hard to get a, a an amp like that for for that price. Um, let's see. Hold on a second. John says, Phil, any experience with Paoletti guitars out of Italy? Yes, uh, I have one. I own a Paoletti guitar. I did a video of it. Um, this was gonna go, was going was where it was. I was gonna swap it out. Um, but yeah, it's um. um my my wife will sometimes so downstairs in my family room i have two guitars some of you guys i've seen some of you guys guitars and put those guitars there uh for uh how they look and the pale lady she grabbed uh and put there because of the way it looks she likes the blue framus and the pale lady in that room <laughs> she like because i guess because she's like if i got to stare at these things she wants them to be the one she you know one she thinks is cool so yeah i, lo I love that pale lady guitar very cool different guitar for sure it is a uh if you're looking for something that uh, is going to start a conversation. That guitar is going to do it. Everybody who sees that guitar, it's because you know why? It's an emotional guitar. In other words, there's so much either hate or love for it. They immediately have a, you know, immediate response of, wow, what? Or, you know, I love it. Um, okay. Uh, the Jam Jar. Sorry, I rubbed my nose here. The Jam Jar says, hi, we we send you a jam jar amp uh we try not to have companies send me product blindly i used to let them i used to be like sure send me anything you want and the reason is is because in more times than not i end up not doing any content and it doesn't do you any well if i don't share you know what i mean if i don't do a video right you you know we need to get your product out there to the masses um and um 
You can't see it, but I have a dry erase board on this side of the room over here, and I'm looking at it, and right now there is, I have 30 squares, which is 30 videos I have to do, and right now there's 28 squares filled, so I have 20 videos, and if you're doing the math uh, of me putting out, uh, not including a live show, it, uh, two videos a week, even if I increase that to three videos a week, that's, you know, that's 10 days if I'm doing 10 days. What am I talking about? That's 10 weeks if I do three videos a week. At two videos a week, you see the problem. So the problem is it's 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 tough because I just don't have infinite time. I, I, I love the channels that are able to post the channels that are doing a video a day. They are being paid by a company. So of course it makes sense. More work equals more money. In my world, more, more work equals less money because if I'm making a video every day, I'm not doing, I mean a video, uh, and again, I'm just being fair to you guys, the jam jar, uh, I've seen it. It looks like a very cool product. Um, a video like that, it get five, 6,000 views. I, I make like $8, uh, for what could be five to eight hours of work. I don't know how many out there are, are working out there, but you can imagine eight hours is a lot or eight hours, eight, eight dollars for, you know, uh, half a day's work is a lot of time to give. Um, so I have to be, uh, you know, I have to adjust a lot of times the patrons and I have talked about changing that changing the way you know my my channel works so that companies pay me and then I can do more content you know and increase the content that way um but uh you know and because it's nice to get free stuff I mean everybody seems to like youtubers because they get free stuff they're like hey you know I want to do youtube your free stuff but you can't feed your family on uh you know guitar straps and guitars and pedals and stuff so you end up having to sell that stuff and then that's another process this is just getting a weird but uh anyways my point is i would love to i just said no to string butler uh great product same thing i just don't think there's going to be any uh any any views which means people aren't really super interested i try if i'm going to do a video like that to really lean into the audience if you guys want to see it i would rather spend those hours knowing that hey man people are going to really appreciate what this is what's going on or if I'm doing it because I want to do it that's always a great day um, so I, I just uh, I wouldn't want you to send anything and then me not do any content for it so I, I apologize but yeah um, but thank you so much it's like I said it's a it's a very nice thing to be asked what I would what what I will tell you is this I thought about this and tell me what you guys think about this smaller companies like jam jar because obviously they're trying to get marketing out there too and and it's not a bad thing it's a good thing small companies that are out there they're us they're people who are working and making things to to pay their bills and support their families uh maybe um maybe i thought about doing this thing where maybe if smaller channels would do videos like that maybe i could support by doing shout outs on the live show and linking to the small channels that do the review you know what i mean i just don't know i i, I don't know this has been a tough balancing act it's it's uh like i said i've been thinking about increasing content but i don't know if you guys got suggestions i'd love to hear them other than you know me working <laughs> uh you know uh <laughs> other than me working every single day uh, uh you know i without you know you get the idea okay let's go to the next subject the next subject is voodoo fist voodoo fist says if someone really really wants you to work on their guitar are you open to do that if, uh, if at all shipping charges, labor are prepaid? If so, how does that, uh, how do I make this happen? So the answer is yes and no. And here's why, uh, to, so you know, the, the answer is I work on guitars. That's what I do. That's actually how I make still majority of my money. The problem with the YouTube thing, the YouTube gig is, is everybody uh, perceives one thing. I understand you, you as a community, especially you that watch the live shows, you see me as Phil McKnight, this YouTuber guy who's pumping out YouTube content. Um, but for 13 years, people in my community know me as Phil McKnight, the owner of McKnight guitar company and the guy who repaired their personal guitars. Um, what I can tell you is, is if you are in a community for 13 years and at that, and and to give you a reference, I was doing 20 and 30 guitars, I don't want to say a week, but I think that's my right. It's, I was pumping out six to seven guitars a day, and I worked six days a week. Do that math. That's easy to figure out. So um, actually, you know what? Uh, I don't want to guess. Let's look. We'll just say six times six. It's 36, yeah. So I was doing about 30 guitars a week, easy, every week uh for years and years and years so when i made the announcement that i wasn't going to work at the shop anymore uh the store and i was going to youtube what really happened was and so a lot of people local know this of course is i still do repairs for my 
my longtime customers. Um, this morning, first thing I did, get up, work on a guitar. So I'm still working on guitars. The problem was is that I assumed over time that would that that small personal uh, resource of customers would dwindle, and then I would start opening up more repair spots. You know what I mean? But the truth is, I stay is that's why I said about the whole doing daily videos. I stay busy leveraging this stuff. And that's why it gets a little tricky when I do YouTube videos and I'm not getting my repairs done. My, my repair customers are like, Oh, I saw that video you did the other day. Didn't get to my guitar though. Huh? Right. You see the idea. And, uh, when I'm doing repair, uh, repairs, I'm not getting video content done. Somebody asked, uh, somebody gave us great suggestion about when I'm doing the repairs, why don't I film that and put that on YouTube and believe it or not. Um, I had not, not many, maybe three or four, very awkward moments with customers about the fact that they didn't want their guitar being put on YouTube. Cause again, they're not coming to me because I do YouTube videos. They're coming to me because they've, I've been, they've been coming to me for years. So you get the idea. So, uh, uh, so the answer to your question is yes, but the trick is, is shipping me a guitar. It just doesn't financially make sense to have it done. But the answer is yes. If you want to ship me guitars and you guys want me to work on your guitars, I'll work on any guitars. The the problem though is is that you 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 just have to be prepared for the the money factor, and the money factor is just not that good uh, for you for you know economically. So, and I would imagine uh, I you know I I do good work. I'm a good uh, obviously I, I'm a good, a good tech, but I'm also a, a good person. So I try to do ethical work, um, but. But just because I do good work doesn't mean you can't find good good techs everywhere. I meet I meet guys everywhere I go and 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 gals I should say that do tech work that are fantastic and a lot of them are better than me too. So um, sometimes in your area when people reach out to me I'll just send hey I you know this person they do really good work I like their work or here's something you can do to pay attention to that. So um, all right let's do the next one. What else do we got? Hold on a second I'm refreshing my screen good time to drink some water all right question marks first if you want to ask me a question uh steve dimebag says hey phil what specs would you shoot at uh for a setup action relief etc well the the beautiful part about this is I've done this and that's the whole point of the Sharpen My Axe series was that was the point was to uh, anybody can take their guitars and start adding stuff to them, but was to kind of look at the guitars and go, okay, what do I think this person wants? There's a couple things you have to do. First of all, uh, most time when you're doing tech work for somebody, uh, they're telling you exactly what they want, right? And um, you're going to do that. That's what you're going to shoot for. They'll say, um, you know, what kind of action they want, what kind of setup they want. A lot of times it gets a little tricky because a lot of people bring you repairs and setups and they don't know what they want. <laughs> so you have to kind of ask them questions. So to answer your question, I will tell you what I like. I like my action measured off the third fret on a guitar to be about one millimeter to 0.75 millimeters. That's where I like stuff to be. And on the 12th fret, I like it to about one to 1.25 millimeters. That's measured from the top of the fret to the bottom of the string across the board uh, on every string. That's usually where I like everything. That's me personal. Some players are going to like it lower than that. If you get lower than that, like half a millimeter off the third fret, that's a shredder, kind of really fast shredder player. And this is where you have to ask questions. You know, how heavy do you hit? Um, you know, how, what kind of pick do you use? And the reason I say that is the harder you hit the string, the higher the action needs to be. You don't need high action. You just need higher action. It is very, if you notice the players that play really fast, um, and they play low action, they play really light. They play really light. And, um, and there's a way to tell. So, you know, there's a way to tell, uh, how hard you pick. A lot of people are like, well, I, I pick light or I pick hard, but sometimes you're, it's an unconscious thing. You don't realize it. So what I tell people to do is even though, you know, going into this, you know, you're about to start playing. So you're going to be aware, but just start playing, play something you like to play. And what I want you to think about is not your right hand. I don't want you to think about how hard you're hitting the string. I want you to think about how hard you push down with your left hand. In other words, how hard are you pushing chords down? Are you squeeze the neck really hard or are you very light? Some players will push the neck, push the strings against the frets just enough to where they make content contact and they make the note. Some players will like to push, like I, like I like to say, push their fingers through the neck, literally squeeze the neck so hard that they're pushing into the fretboard. 
you can then pull your fingers off and look at the density of your finger and see how extreme it is. You can also tell from how much calluses you have. The, hard, the harder you squeeze, the more calluses you're going to have. Obviously, the more you play, too, but you get the idea. The reason I say that is it is very common for guitar players to be equalized. What I mean by that is however hard you're picking is how hard you're pushing. Your brain just automatically wants to sync things up. So um, what happens, that's why beginners at first are a disaster because they squeeze so hard with their left hand, they hit really hard with their right hand. They can't help it. And if you're left-handed, flip that. Uh, they'll squeeze and they, you know, cause they're just pushing their fingers down. They're pushing cause they've got to push those strings down. They just haven't figured out the nuance of how hard you have to squeeze your fingers and they start hitting really hard and then everything's buzzing. And that's why everything's a disaster when you're new. Um, so really what you're trying to do, but you're trying to equalize out and you want it to be equal. You want to be picking, picking the way you're kind of pushing and stuff. And, and so the reason I tell you that, uh, Steve is that when somebody comes in for a setup, those are the kind of things I discuss with them. Like, okay, you know, what kind of pick do you use? Is it a heavy pick? Is it a light pick? Why? A lot of times just asking somebody why they use a certain type of pick uh, will tell you something. How hard do they play? Uh, that will tell you stuff. What kind of music do they like? A uh, perfect example is if they play a lot of clean guitar, clean amps, electric guitar, um, it's really important that they, they realize that they're probably going to want the strings to be more like an acoustic guitar, a little higher, because the amps, you know, the distortion on an amp is very cool because it hides a lot of crap. It hides a little sizzle, a little buzz from the pick, uh, the strings hitting the, the uh, frets. So um, so to answer your question, that's how I like my setup. But if you notice, uh, you, I have the downloadable repair sheets. That's what I'm asking in those questions is, you know, how do you like that? But so you have to kind of figure out how somebody likes their guitar. And more importantly, think about this. If you're doing it for yourself, you have to figure out what you like. And the best way to do that is... And that's why I like measuring is if you find a guitar, whether you own it, your friend owns it, or it's in a store, find a guitar you like and you love the way it plays and just take out the ruler and start measuring everything and figure out why. Why do you like this guitar? What is it that this guitar is doing? What kind of strings are on here? What is the action on this guitar? What is it doing? How is the bridge set? And a lot of the times it will tell you a little kind of like help you figure out what is what is off on your current guitars. Um, the uh, the advantage of being a repair tech for many years and owning a store and having to sell stuff every day, interacting with customers is a lot of times customers would come in to buy a new guitar and they didn't need a new guitar. They just needed to adjust their current guitar because they would like the guitar on the wall plays so much better than my current guitar. And and um, you realize like, well, that's you don't need a new guitar. You need you need to actually let's try and adjust your current guitar, you know, to to the way it is. And if that's the you know, to, to find the right spot. All right, or the right need. I shouldn't say right, right need. Okay. Um, Steve Long says, hey, Phil, uh, I have an 80s Washburn B20 bass uh, and trying to use it for recording all genres, but the pickups are a bit too heavy uh, for softer stuff. Suggestions for making it more versatile. Sure, of course. Um well, of course, don't forget the the easiest solution, uh, which is adjust the pickup height. That sounds like, you know, so obvious, and you might have already tried it, but i got to point out the obvious first. Uh, so don't be afraid to adjust the pickup height, especially on a bass, right? Uh, just do that. You can you can definitely soften up the way the, uh, the bass sounds by pulling those pickups away from the strings a little bit uh, and doing some adjustments. Um, and that's that's a huge part of that. That's that's huge. The second thing you can do if you don't want to buy a new instrument, of course, is uh, after you've done that, is don't be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid to use uh, you know your your controls on your bass. But more importantly, don't be afraid to change strings. Um, you can uh, uh, use flat wound strings will really uh, change the tonality of that bass. And what's great about flat wounds is is you can put them on there, and then when you're done, you just take them up, take them off, roll them up. Put them back in a baggie and then put the, you know, your strings back and go and keep your flat rounds whenever you want those. Um, I did a video uh, about tape wound strings. Tape wound strings, you can get those from Rotosound or Daddario. Uh, some people, some bass players like either for, you know, they have either ones for different reasons. Those are my two favorites for sure. Um, I'm more of a Daddario fan or Daddario fan than the Rotosound, but it's a nine versus a 10. Rotosounds is nine for me and the Daddario's is 10 in my preference, but both, you know, obviously between a nine and 10. They're both fine. Um, that would definitely help a lot, uh, for sure. Uh, changing out the bass strings, uh, and that helps too. So uh, that's uh, suggestions I would suggest. Um, let's see. 
Ah, Travis France says millimeters question mark. I thought you were American. I am. You know, this is this is the interesting part about that. And I'm glad you brought that up because it does come up sometimes why I'm not you why I'm using metric when and not standard when I'm talking. And here's why. Uh, because I find that most uh, the average American consumer guitar player, in my case is guitar player because I but consumer customer. Uh, doesn't really understand the standard system enough. In other words, they understand inch, one inch, two inches. Two inches is twice as far as one inch. So if I said, oh, it went from one inch to two inches without knowing anything, without taking metal shop, without doing wood shop, because you got to understand the, the, the average person that comes in your shop, if they did take metal or wood shop, if they did, they took it 10 years ago, right? If they're in the 30s, that's already 10 years ago. Uh, and if they're in their 20s, you know, it was five years ago and they weren't paying attention if they're not in that field, right? So they're not paying attention. So to me, an inch was such an easy thing. It's one inch and it goes to two inches. And they go, oh, that's twice as far, <laughs> right? You don't have to know what that is. You just know it's twice. If I said I took it from two to one, that's half. Half is a lot, right? Once you start saying like three sixteenths and stuff like that, oh, it's three sixteenths, you know, uh, it gets a little confusing. Eighth of an inch, all these things got confusing. So what I did is I switched to millimeters because I found that when I say one millimeter, one and a half millimeters, uh, you know, and uh, the, the the customer was e it was easy for them to understand, right? And you can give somebody an increment of a millimeter very easily by taking a pencil and marking it or showing on a ruler and say this is one. Now we're one and a half, right? And uh, and you understand. And that also, the other thing is it illustrates very clearly sometimes when I say, oh, it went from 1.25 millimeters to, or not 1.25, sorry. Yeah, 1.25, I was right. 1.25 millimeters to one millimeter. When I show them that on a ruler, and they're like, wow, that's like nothing. And I'm like, yeah, it's nothing, but that small adjustment helped. Um, so it's a communication reason. I did that for communication purposes. And believe it or not, uh, I've never had anybody go, uh, you know, the only people that say anything to me are, you know, people who are in, that use the, the standard system, like mechanics. Um, but using mechanics, flipping, they're used to doing both so much, you know. Um, so probably construction type, you know, workers would be, say, hey, you know, they're used to standard. But Millimeter, I think, is a more easy thing to for the layman's to understand. It's a better system for that, for sure. So, so, <laughs> uh, E.R. Webster says one inch equals three barley corns. Barley corns? Seriously? I just all right. I'm gonna Google that now when I get off the air. <laughs> okay, um, we're at the end of the show, so let me wrap it up real quick. Uh, we did an hour. I want to appreciate. It. We had 600 people hanging out. Uh, over 600 people. A couple things. I like I said. I want to say congratulations again to um, as I lost it. It's right here to um, and as my screen refreshes. I want to say congratulations to Alan Saxon because he won the uh, the Music Nomad products that American Musical Musical Supply was kind enough to give away. So you guys know. I'm just letting you guys know right now. I know some of you guys are stuck at home. Uh, American Musical Supply is still shipping stuff. Uh, so that's important to know. So if you're stuck at home and you need some stuff, they're still shipping stuff. Uh, I was talking to them, obviously, when they gave me the uh, winner this morning. They they had mentioned that. I thought that was worth passing on to you guys. I know some other companies are open, too. But I know some companies like uh, uh, All Parts are now not shipping right now. So just be aware of that. Um, they are, they are as of today of this video within hours, I was told by a representative of AMS that they are still shipping stuff. So it's current information. So just be aware that that's good to know if you need to get stuff out, because I know some of us are worried about a lot of things, but I know one of the things is if you're trying to order stuff, you're really not really excited about the idea of somebody taking your money and then not shipping for a week or two. Uh, so just letting you know, they're still, still active. Um, so congratulations to Alan. And also I want to thank all of you guys. Thank you so much. 600 of you hanging out in the middle of the week. This was a fun episode. I had fun. I hope you had fun as well. Um, there'll still be a Friday episode. Uh, and, uh, that I will post, uh, the link for that, uh, this afternoon or tomorrow. So you guys can see that as well. There'll be a sh uh, episode, a show tomorrow on a pickup video. So, uh, for the pickup challenge videos, thank you guys so much for supporting the pickup video challenge stuff. Uh, it's been very exciting and, um, Actually, I think it's probably the most fun I've ever had doing anything on YouTube uh, as, as far as, as the work uh, into it because it's so much work, but it's been so much fun. So, all right, on that note. Oh, and by the way, somebody just said, OMG, that Explorer. Yes, that Explorer review, which is I can't point to it because the camera's all backwards. Look, that, there. 
I'm so glad the people that watch the pod or listen to the podcast don't have to deal with any of this stuff. Uh, that's the Lizzie Hale Explorer. The video review is on uh, Sunday. It comes out. I want to do that just like I did the Yvette Young last Sunday. I want to do Lizzie Hale's this Sunday. Uh, I want to thank uh, Epiphone sent that out to uh, so that I could do that for the month of March. It's Women's History Month, and I thought what a cool thing to do. Not for you know, uh, what a cool reminder to that. Hey, maybe we should do some female guitar guitars on the channel since uh some reason i don't do them and i feel bad about that because uh there are some fantastic female artists yvette young is sick sick player um so uh and they have the coolest guitars i've I really decided this I, for some reason the jiva and the all the, the all the cool guitars are coming from them maybe maybe because i don't know they have a better taste in colors and guitars uh my wife definitely has better taste in stuff than me so on that note I'm gonna let you guys go as soon as I figure out how to end the stream. <laughs> I'm on I'm on a different uh, I'm on my OBS uh, software today because I wanted to uh, to change it up uh, from Streamyard. So, on that note, I want to thank all of you for hanging out. I want to thank the patrons for supporting the channel. Everyone, please be safe. Uh, enjoy your time with your family and uh, be good. And I will see you guys on Friday.